Again, Tomb Believers, we are jamming out some hits of 1974 here on Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. My name's Trey Lawson. And I'm James Hickson. And despite the fact that we are currently in the colds of winter, the comics we are covering this episode are in the warm suns of, of June 1974. That's right. And uh, we've got two... Related comics today, uh, we're talking about uh, a couple of Morbius stories. Of course, he is the star of Adventure Into Fear right now. We'll be doing issue 22 of that. And also talking a little bit about Vampire Tales number 5. Right. Um, one of these things is not like the other. This is this is true. This is true. One of these, one of these stories has a massively different quality than the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll get there. It's... Uh, it's pretty drastic. So yes, we are covering Adventure into Fear number 22 featuring Morbius and Vampire Tales number 5 featuring Morbius. <laughs> now I know last time we said we were talking about Supernatural Thrillers number 7 and Giant Size Superheroes number 1 featuring Spider-Man, Morbius, and Man-Wolf. But unfortunately, because of scheduling, um, that's going to come a bit later. Right. But it is coming. We, we have not abandoned those issues. We will be talking about them in the future. There you go. So, today you're getting an all Morbius episode. Right. It sucks. <laughs> Sorry. But, before we get into the man called Morbius... Um, yes? We should at Say least it. take a brief detour into the hottest segment in podcasting. Um, yes. You know it. You love it. Its name is a yes. little bit anachronistic now. We're talking about Hellstorm yes. So, and we got a cigarette. <laughs> uh, so we've got a, a couple things going on here. We'll, we'll go from like sort of lowest level of excitement or, or expectation or anticipation to highest, um, and, and, and starting. Uh, uh, Christian Bale has apparently arrived in Australia to join the production of Thor Love and Thunder. Light guys, watch out. <laughs> right. Uh, and and it, there's no word yet on who he's playing. There's a lot of possibilities, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. I, I floated to, to James off mic earlier uh, what I think would be especially funny. but uh, Yes, you did. But I, I, I don't know. There's no way of knowing if that's true or not. But I think that... Since MCU Thor stole so much of Marvel Hercules' personality, that Christian Bale should play a really dour and serious Hercules. 
Act. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's okay. happening. Um, also, Tom Holland has uh, arrived in Atlanta to begin filming the third MCU Spider-Man movie. They must protect him. Right. Um, and, and he has promised this time not to leak anything about the script. <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you about this part where I fight um, Galactus. And, it's like <laughs> and and we still don't know a whole lot about that movie. Uh, rumors are swirling about the possibility of it being a live-action Spider-Verse of some sort. But all we really mm-hmm. know right now, beyond the uh, uh, return of J. Jonah Jameson and the return of Jamie Foxx as Electro is that uh, Spider-Man's new mentor is going to be Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. That's int- That kind of makes sense. It does. Because, like, they're the Ditko boys. They, they're, they're both heavily influenced by their creation by Steve Ditko. They are. And if you look at what Spider-Man gets up to in Infinity War, like... Those are the two characters that he spends time with. I'm Peter, by the way. Doctor Strange. Oh, you're using your made-up names. Um, I'm Spider-Man then. Yeah. Like, um, like there, there's a little bit of a handoff there in in Infinity War, and so with the death of Iron Man and, and with Spidey's new sort of desperate situation, it makes sense he might track down someone with magical powers. I just really hope we're not doing some, uh some MCU version of what was it uh one more day one day whatever mm-hmm. the brand new day i don't know the the one where uh where spidey made a deal with the devil to ruin his life forever oh gosh no 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 cuz no, i could no, see no, no, no. i could see doctor strange trying to do a spell to make everyone forget peter parker's identity and that having the same effect yeah um yeah. maybe less disastrous because MCU Spidey does not have the literally decades of continuity that the the comics version did, so there's less to lose, but it would suck. Yeah, it would suck. So anyway, Tom Holland back on set filming Spider-Man 3. Good stuff. Finally. Yeah. And, you know, this is just, you know, it's a, it's a little minor thing, but it, it's, it's uh-huh. worth mentioning, you know. Um, no big yeah. deal or anything, but... Guys, Oscar Isaac is in talks to play Moon Knight. This is not a drill. Oscar Isaac is playing Moon Knight, and he is going after Dracula to get his motherfucking money. Trey, I'll get the spray ball again. Sit down. Moon Knight. Yes. I, 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 pants on. In any case. Not doing this again. This is very exciting for me. Moon Knight is one of my favorites. Oscar Isaac is a fantastic actor and, and well-suited to the part, I think. Um, it's not a done deal yet. He is in talks, but I am very optimistic about this personally. Um, but wait, how can he be Moon Knight and Spider-Man 2099 at the same time? I, I just told you that. Listen, listen, I'm from the future. How dare you point at me? You, you were pointing first. Rude to point. You're being very rude. You're not even believing what Which I'm saying. Which one pointed first? Spider-Man pointed first. Obviously. Well, you know, he's also Apocalypse. Oh, God damn it. Are you sure he's Apocalypse and didn't just have a blueberry lollipop? <laughs> But you see, he, there was an unfortunate incident in the Wonka factory. Oh, God. <laughs> child endangerment, child <laughs> endangerment. So anyway, uh, Oscar Isaac in talks to play Moon Knight. They have also hired a director to work on at least some episodes of the Moon Knight series. I'm not sure if he's doing all of them or just some of them, but uh, Mohaid Diab, uh, who 
has apparently been sort of a critical darling. He's gotten a lot of attention at uh, uh, film festivals and such. Um, so that could be cool. And actually, he uh, most of his work thus far has been about sort of Egyptian society. Uh, he he's mm-hmm. comes from uh, an Egyptian background, I believe. Uh, and so it kind of makes sense that you would get someone like that to work on Moon Knight, since uh, <laughs> Moon Knight's whole deal is... Uh, that he may or may not be the avatar of an Egyptian god. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, so Moon Knight, and that, and that is going to be a series. Um, it's also been announced that Blade will be a series. It's not going to be a movie. So Yeah. And, and so I, the, what that suggests to me is that Marvel has taken uh, Hulu's original idea of an adventure into fear block of mm-hmm. Ghost Rider and, and, and other characters, and they are basically doing the MCU version of that instead. Yeah, and probably doing it better. Probably. Based on based on our viewing of Hellstrom last last episode. Yeah, I think I liked it a little more than you did. I It wasn't great. It wasn't, like, groundbreaking or anything, but it wasn't bad. It was just... It, 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 you liked it because of all, you liked it because of all the uh, all the exorcist lifts. That's true. Like, straight-up lifts. Entire scenes, yes. But... It was boring. It was also a pilot. I, I think pilots are almost always boring. Like, I can count the number of good pilots I've seen on one hand. Firefly. Firefly's good. But, except the Firefly pilot didn't even get shown first. Oh, God damn it to hell, you're not wrong. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's, and that really sucks because it's such a strong pilot. It is, because it's a two-part, it's basically a movie. Yes. Okay, how about this? Mm-hmm. Movie-based pilots are better. Mm. See also... Columbo. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Also, I mean, I would even say, and I know we disagree about Star Trek Discovery, but I really like the way that series opens in that it basically begins with a two-part movie and then jumps forward in time to show the aftermath. But something we can agree on. Kolchak. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. There we go. We're good. Hellstrom, eh, listen to our our commentary episode. Yeah. We we, we talk about it at length there. But... If, if that was sort of the level that they were operating at for their other proposed live-action shows, I can maybe see why Marvel figured that they could do better in-house. Definitely. Uh, anyway. So, I, I think, think that, that does, does it for Hellstrom Watch. Yeah, that does it for Hellstrom Watch. Yeah, really, really short Hellstrom Watch. The main thing I want you to take away here is Oscar Isaac as freaking Moon Knight. Trey, 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 Trey. No, no, God damn it. Okay. We'll be right back with our coverage of Adventures into Fear 22. No, pants on! Pants! God suck it! Drama. Lust. Snark. Comedy. Heartbreak. Creativity. Poetry. Illicit affairs. Rage. Revenge. Testosterone poisoning, gunshots, sculpture, feminine hygiene products, naked car crashes. You know what we haven't had in a long time? And liver. Terry Moore, Strangers in Paradise, the audio adaptation, coming to your ear holes in late 2020 on the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. Liver is my life. Nightmare let loose. 
Malcolm McDowell, Nastasia Kinski, a broadcast debut, Cat People. Coming Wednesday, July 9th, here on KLRT Channel 16. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas. My name is James Hickson, and our first issue for this episode is Adventures into Fear, number 22, with the man called Morbius, the living vampire. We don't have an actual written summary for this one, because again, this was a last-minute addition to the schedule, but Morbius fights some furries. And um, so, yeah, the, the issue picks up last time with Damon, dude, you know, Satan Priest type, and Martine watching as uh, Morbius fights a furry. Not a guy in a costume, it's an actual cat person. And as they're fighting, the two of them disappear. And they reappear in a place called the Land Within. And it's full of cat people. And they go to the king of this place and the it's revealed that the cat person he's been fighting is the Balkatar, who's going to be led away to be killed because he has disobeyed his summoner by bringing Morbius to the land within. But it apparently is intentional that he did not bring, he brought Morbius to land within because uh, the land within has a problem. As the king of the cat people, phrases I did not know I was going to say today, says to Morbius their history, they were actually created by a group of sorcerers who use them as slaves. When the cat people revolted, as cat people do, I mean, seriously, if you try to tell a cat to do anything, it's, it's impossible. And they revolted, and the sorcerers, instead of, you know, just killing all the cat people, uh, instead send them to this created land of the land within, thinking that they will keep on killing each other and being violent and so forth, and now keep their population in check. But what ends up happening is they make peace with one another, they find the cures all diseases, and they keep on fucking like cats do, and, well, they are now overpopulated. And so the king of the cat people decides that they need Morbius to come in and start killing folks, which Morbius is not happy about. But then it starts doing, just start killing people left and right. And then he is attacked by a mob who's like, hey, stop killing us. And Morbius is like, but that's what I'm here for. And he gets pushed into a river, and... The issue ends with him going through a mysterious barrier. Can you tell Steve Gerber wrote this goddamn comic? Yeah, that's it's definitely got a whole lot of trademark Gerber weirdness. Writer on this one is Steve Gerber, of course. Artist is Rick Buckler. Inker is Luis um, Dominguez. Letter is Gene Simic. Colorist is Michelle Brand. Editor is Roy Thomas. And, and you can definitely tell it's it's a Gerber Buckler co- collab. Because it it, it it reminds me so much of the sort of weirdest era area of what we've had with Man Thing so far, in that yes. we we already had a really weird Morbius story going with like the aliens and like all that stuff. We have abandoned that altogether in favor of a totally different, equally weird story. Yes, yes, and it's it's it's, like, it's delightful. We went from we went from aliens to Morbius' girlfriend turning on him to cat people. Yes. And that was all one seamless transition. Yes. That is insane. Yes. Just, and I'm like, you know, I make a lot of furry jokes in my summary, but they are naked fucking cat people. Yes. Yes. And that's their problem. They fuck. They fuck too much. <laughs> 
Only thing that's a shame is that Gerber did not find a way to work the High Evolutionary into this. <laughs> retcon. It'll be a retcon. Well, because yeah. High Evolutionary has been around. Like, he's a 60s character. Yeah. Well, you know, what's going to happen is he, um, one of his sorcerers is going to pull back his hood. It's going to be the High Evolutionary. Right. Right. Like, uh, magic was fun for a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, side note, um, this is something that, uh, I'm sort of jumping ahead of myself a little bit because this is from the the letters page for the other issue we're going to talk about. But it's worth mentioning here because it has to do with this comic. Um, I, my understanding is Gerber is not going to be on Adventure Into Fear much longer. Aww. Yeah, he's getting replaced by Don McGregor. Ooh. Uh, Don McGregor, who has been writing Morbius in Vampire Tales. Yeah... Because they we'll wanted consistency there. of character across the two books. <laughs> Why start now? <laughs> we, it's not like we've been going several issues. Right, well, right. Like, like four issues, like three, four issues? There's been at least three of Adventure Into Fear. We're up to five on Vampire Tales. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and let's not forget another book we'll be covering later. There's one where more of you shows up in the next entirely out of character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's a weird story to talk about because so much happens and yet not much happens. No. No. <laughs> no not, not, and yet there's so much of it not happening. <laughs> right. Right. And and it's all so weird in the way that it does not happen. Yes. Like um this cat monster's going to attack you now. Swerve, he's going to take you to this to this like hidden work pocket universe. It's like I have been condemned to death for doing what I was told because in doing what I was told, I disobeyed an order from someone else. Yes, it's so weird. like apparently the mission the whole time was to bring Morbius back. Right, but to do that, he knew he would have to die because he'd have to disobey the summoner. summoner. Yeah, it's just, and then Morbius is like, there's a line in here, and I'll get to. Let me find it. Um. Morbius is like, save your threats, I cannot fight an entire city, but neither can I condemn myself to a lifetime of living on others' blood. You were there already, Morbius. Right, right. Like, you were being given... <laughs> a buffet. Yeah, a buffet. A free buffet. Like, the, the, the king of this kingdom is encouraging you to, you know, slay some of his kingdom. Now, this should lead to a revolution against the king. Right, right. Because... You were introducing, de- you were intentionally inter- introducing death into a land that doesn't have death, and doing it in a rather brutal way. Mm-hmm. You were encouraging your citizens to be hunted as prey. Right. I mean, like, I could. It's so weird that the king immediately went to what we need is a vampire. Yes. Like, because any other version of this kind of like utopia dystopia scenario would be a like, lottery. Like you do like Logan's Run or something, you know? Yeah. Like you, like everybody over a certain age. Bye. Yeah, you, you take them to a room and ask them their favorite color. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> like oh, population's too high. Let's get some vampires in here. <laughs> no, there's just one too. Mm-hmm. And you're not telling the people, hey guys, there's gonna be a vampire coming in. It's a bit <laughs> forbidden. It's a bit forbidden to kill him. So don't try. Uh, you're just like, nope, just launch him in there. If yep. they ki- and what happens if they kill him? It's not like he has the restrictions against, you know, s- like, bullets can't kill Morbius. Right, right. Just, and he's know, not like, Dracula. <laughs> why a vampire? Like, could have done, like, a purge night, or... I don't know, just... 
<laughs> there's there's so many less convoluted ways to, to take care of this problem. They're not necessarily great ways. No, they're, they're all terrible. Really disturbing. Or, you know, I like that you developed all these cures for things and didn't develop birth control. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, I mean, it also just sort of... What I keep coming back to is when the king of the cat people is just like... Uh, like, of course, we were created from cats, who are not all that smart. And it's like, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> I mean, let's be... It, if we developed birth control pills in the 60s, cats can do it in a super advanced technological society that, you know, <laughs> has basically cured death. Uh, it's, it's weird. Um, also, it looks like... The blood. There's a close-up, a pretty cool close-up of Morbius biting a cat person, mm-hmm. but they colored the blood black. I have to imagine that was to get around the comics code. Yes, I imagine so. And I almost expected there to be like a twist, like ah, this blood is putrid to me, or I expected that too, like it's tainted with magic or something. Yes, which I guess you're not doing that. Well, because also like you, all, you you get like the the stories where like in Tomb of Dracula where where Dracula feeds on an animal instead of a human and is thoroughly disgusted by it. Or the, or the dead. Or the dead, yeah. So, weird Morbius story. Weird, weird. And and we end with him, like, being carried away through a portal or whatever. Yes. Which, you know, that's par for the course for a, 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 a Gerber story, you know? Another weird portal. Yeah, another weird portal. I, I wasn't really anyway. talking much about the art, but but I, I will just briefly say that that Buckler, as much as any artist can, gamely keeps up with the weirdness of Gerber's scenarios, uh, and he yes. did the layouts, I guess. Uh, Dominguez, I honestly didn't realize this was not Rich Buckler until you were going through the credits. I thought that Buckler drew the whole thing. It's not quite like if you look at, and which we will we we will look at the Vampire Tales story, mm-hmm. which is Rich Buckler. Right. And you read one right after the other, you realize, okay, there's a big difference here in art. Fair. Fair. Um, for one thing, stuff like Morbius's hair length is different. It, it does seem like, especially in close-ups, features are, are more noticeably different. Yes. And part of that is, you know, just a difference in clarity between color work and just straight line work. But mm-hmm. also part, another part of it is Dominguez um, being a different artist than Buckler. Sure. Even though sure. he's going off of Buckler's layouts. Right. Uh, yeah. But anyway, it, it was fun. I liked it. it yeah, weird. fight some furries, man. <laughs> it's like, hey, I can get behind that. Right. Um, so uh, maybe that's a good spot to take a break, and we can uh, then shift gears to uh, Vampire Another Tales story. number five. Right, so we'll, we'll be right back with Vampire Tales number five right after this message. Okay, so a new podcast needs a new promo. I mean, how do I start? I'm J. David Weeder. You may know me from the internet. I didn't invent the internet, but the internet was invented for me. No, that's way too egotistical. Uh, It's got to be awesome. It's got to catch everybody's attention. Also tell people what the show is about. So first things first, high energy pop music from the 80s. Hi, I'm J. David Weeder, here to tell you about my new podcast, Spockward, a Star Trek podcast where I will talk about Star Trek twice a month. I guess, I guess that's pretty much it. Wow, it feels like there should be something more there, something grand and something epic. It also has to sum the show up, but I don't want to sound desperate. Maybe I should try another take, but this time there needs to be some epic epicness to it. Let's try this. In a world 
Oops, oops, oops. Let me try that again. In a universe replete with Star Trek podcasts, one guy will challenge the status quo by boldly talking about Star Trek on the first and third Sunday of every month. Yeah, I probably had it right the first time. Spockword, a Star Trek podcast on the first and third Sunday of every month at spockword.com or wherever podcasts are accessed. It's Star Trek fandom with a heaping helping of social awkwardness. Spockword, you get it? Yeah, you get it. See you at spockword.com. Weeder out. Did I really just say Weeder out? Come on. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra the Enemy. Don't let Cobra Commander get away. G.I. Joe! It's Cobra Commander! He's stealing our missiles! Well, get him, rock and roll! Here comes Grand Slam! Fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe! American hero! We saved the missiles, but you gotta get up early to catch Cobra. Cobra Commander and G.I. Joe figures and equipment each sold separately from Hasbro. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas. Our next issue for today is Vampire Tales number 5. This magazine's editor-in-chief is Lynn Ween, associate editor is Marv Wolfman, art direction by John Romita, and the editor is Roy Thomas. Our main story today is called Blood Tide, written by Don McGregor, and pencils by Rich Buckler and inks by Ernie Chan. Continuing from last issue, Morbius has accompanied Amanda Saint to the town of Malevolence, Maine, to find her mother who'd abandoned her family to join the Demonfire cult. Now, Saint's mother has escaped, and both Morbius and Saint are on the run from townspeople possessed by the cult's leader, Bloodtide. Some of the mob catch up to Morbius and Amanda, and Morbius quickly dispatches them. Meanwhile, our normie couple from last issue, Brock and Arlene, try to figure out what the deal was with Morbius and the crazed mob that was chasing him, while also still arguing about local politics. Just then, a shadowy figure stalks by them toward the movie theater, and they recognize him as Monty Harris, the mayor's PR man. Brock and Arlene go to investigate, and quickly realize it's all connected to the two strangers they saw earlier. Bloodtide, with the power of ocean-spawned serpents, rallies his followers against Morbius and Amanda, who have taken refuge inside the movie theater. Another fight ensues, and Bloodtide attacks Morbius directly, revealing that his power comes from the talisman on his staff. During the fight, Brock and Arlene have also entered the theater. Brock kicks the staff out of Bloodtide's hands, temporarily weakening the cult leader and allowing Morbius and Amanda to escape. Brock and Arlene run along behind, still not really knowing what's going on. While the four hide, Monty Harris once again arrives to investigate, and when he leaves, our protagonists follow him all the way to the lighthouse. Morbius, fed up with the other characters' chatter, rushes toward the lighthouse and climbs to the top window. He goes inside, only to immediately be confronted by Bloodtide and the Demon Fire Cult. Not to be outdone, Brock also rushes for the lighthouse, abandoning the two women. They are confronted by a shadowy figure, and our attention goes back inside the lighthouse. Bloodtide psychically assaults Morbius, trying to control him, but Brock's arrival downstairs breaks the cult leader's concentration, allowing Morbius to break free. Morbius seizes Bloodtide's staff and impales him on it. The mask is removed, and Bloodtide is revealed to be the Mayor of Malevolence, Duke Mannery. Duke shoots Brock in the head, revealing there's another leader of Demonfire before dying himself. Amanda and Arlene arrive with Monty Harris, who it turns out was investigating the same strange occurrences as the others. At last, all that is left is Arlene mourning the death of Brock. So there's a lot to say about this very short story. <laughs> yeah. Um, for one thing... 
It's a whole lot of, and it says end, but like I feel like we're not done yet because they've set up that there's more to the demon fire cult than this one dude. Which we totally care about. That we don't really care about. But also, it's just weird that after all of this buildup, it kind of becomes a Scooby-Doo ending. And a Scooby-Doo ending we see coming. Oh yeah, no, we were saying last issue that Blood Tide was probably the mayor. Yes, and we were right. It's not that surprising. No. Especially with how they talk up the hero worship in this story. And and that he's the one who saved the lighthouse. And Blood Tide is very clearly based out of the lighthouse. And that's where the Demon Fire Cult organizes. And it's worth noting that this is, you know, when Watergate is going on. Yes, this is in the midst of all that. So, so the as much as I sort of poked fun at it, the cynicism versus idealism debate that the normies, Brock and Arlene, have throughout both issues is actually very much of the time. Yes. Like, the cover date on this is June 1974. That's probably April or May of Mm -hmm. 1974, an actual actual publication date. And we have Nixon resigning in August of 1974. Right. It's it's not a quick process. Right. Watergate. Right. And, so. and, and the ending of this issue with Brock, or the ending of the story, rather, with Brock sort of expressing all of this sort of sadness and disillusionment and, and having the ideals that he had lived by sort of being destroyed by the revelation that the monster is the politician that he supported. It, it's a little hokey, but, but it hits home for the time, you know? Like, that's very much a 1974 moment. We have just, if not... Already, we'll soon have in like Captain America comics the Secret Empire storyline, right? Which, which is kind of a, a better take on these same ideas. Better, yeah, definitely a better take, but similar ideas. I will point out here the death of Brock in this oh, it's, story. It's gruesome. It's really gruesome. It, um, it might be the most gruesome death we've seen. Yeah, it's, like we. It's eighties horror death. Yeah, like for one thing, it's a little. I was a little disappointed after all of that. Dude just pulls a gun. Yes. But, like, the, the, it is, our view is from behind Brock, and so we see the back of his head blow completely open. Yes. It is, it's, it's grisly. And, and not even the really goofy sound effect can ruin it, because I'm sorry, but Kasplakat is not quite the sound effect that I would deem appropriate. But it might be the episode title. (laughs) But yeah, no, that that moment is maybe the most like shocking and and impressive in terms of I didn't see it coming in the story. Because yes. everything else I saw coming. Yes. There's some other interesting points in the story. The Rich Buckler artwork is great. Yes, Buckler does Although, a really good job. I will say the cult leader has a lot going on. He has a cobra staff, yep, lizard hands, yep, and a mushroom head. Yes. Yes. Like, I'm not sure what they were going for with that head, but it's a fucking mushroom. And also, if you look at the top of page 10, we've got sort of the, the rallying moment of, of Blood Tide with two of his disciples uh, on either side of him. Apparently, his disciples shop at the same costume store as Cobra Commander. <laughs> Curse you. But yeah, no, the Blood Tide look is kind of cool, though. Like, it, it's got kind of a Lovecrafty vibe, you know? Uh, yeah. I especially like the full page on 16 of Blood Tide using the psychic powers on Morbius with, like, the skulls coming out of his eyes. That was really cool. And I can kind of see a Scooby-Doo 
version of that where it's mm -hmm. revealed that, well, you see, and this is my horrible Velma, this, you see, the skulls are actually flashing lights. Right. The, the, the they make a point of talking about the glowing eyes a lot. Yes. Also back on page 10, I kind of like how they just put screenshots from the movie um, Trail Dust in, <laughs> in, the, in the movie theater on the screen. Right. Is it bad that even from that small screenshot, I recognize Gabby Hayes? <laughs> Does that say I've watched too many Westerns as a child? Perhaps. Unwillingly watched too many Westerns as a Aww. child. Uh, but yeah, no, it's... This issue is... This story, rather, is technically more impressive than it is in terms of storytelling or narrative. Yes. Which is not a knock on Don McGregor. I, I like Don McGregor as a writer. I think he's just a bad fit for Morbius. Yes. Which is a shame, because as I said... According to the letters page of this book, Don McGregor is taking over Adventure into Fear. Yes. And so far, the, the Gerber Adventure into Fear stuff has been so much more interesting than whatever the heck's going on in Vampire Tales. Right. Well, because Gerber Gerber uses the, the horror vampire stuff as a springboard into other fantastic stories, whereas Vampire Tales doesn't. <laughs> Like they keep trying to like, make it horror stories. Yes. And Morbius isn't really a horror character. He's a Spider-Man villain. Yes. And the thing is, like, the adventure into fear stuff happens very clearly in the Marvel Universe. Yes. The vampire tale stuff, it could be removed from the Marvel Universe, replaced with any vampire, and wouldn't make much difference. Right. I mean, case in point, this issue of Vampire Tales, one of their reprints is the origin of Morbius from uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. But it is it, like, it, it is selected in such a way that you would not know it came out of a Spider-Man issue. Yeah. Like they, they sort of excerpted just the flashback material of Morbius's origin and none of the part where he's a Spider-Man villain. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's not great. It's not... I don't know. I, I don't know that this story with blood tide deserved this many parts and there's this whole thing with amanda where she's like no one can resist her mm -hmm. everyone desires her and morbius and can't help but do what she wants to do yes where are we going to get a, an explanation for this right and because again it seems like this is not really the end of the story because we get that hint at more setup at the end but like all we've knows. been told so far is that she's really hot Right. And she's not wearing much. Right. And and her mom is a member of this cult. Yes. Um, but also, despite that, Morbius is also pretty sexist misogynist throughout this. Yes. Like, I kind of like that they're very clear about the fact that Morbius does not care about any of this stuff. Right. It's just, he's like, like well, I don't care about any of this, but I'm going along with it anyway. Right. But, but like, this is, what is it, uh, middle of seven. Uh, Michael, the whole town's after us. I thought that fact was self-evident, Amanda. Keep up with me, girl. <laughs> uh, look, there are lights ahead. Now that is a useful observation. Just, like... Like the snark <laughs> on Morbius. It's like Morbius knows he's in a comic story. Right. And is just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Well, even, well, like, we're doing this like now. every time there's a fight, Morbius is just like, well, I guess we're doing this. Yes. And at the end, it's like everyone's talking about the lighthouse. It's like, you know what? We all know that whatever the end of this story is, it's in that lighthouse. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Yeah. It's, it borders on meta. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, there's an so. interesting narrative thing they're doing here where the narration of the story gets passed like a baton. Right. And and it's I was thrown off by it at first because of the black and white art, but if this was in color, you know the caption boxes would be different colors. Yes. Like, you get different shades of gray for them, but that still threw me off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, as the point of view jumps from, like, Amanda and Morbius to uh, Brock and Arlene to, you know, we our, our, our narration jumps with the story, which is, is I interesting. I will say the Rich Buckler artwork here is much better served than the layouts were in the Adventures into Fear story. Yes. Yeah, I think I think Buckler doing the art entirely himself, um, well, with inks by Ernie Chan, but but penciling entirely himself uh, makes a big difference. Yeah, like on the po- top page six, where you have the shot of Morbius, like slightly upshot mm-hmm. of Morbius, and it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The contours of the face, the, the how monstrous it is, and then the angle changes, and you just see his glowing eyes. Yep. It's it's good stuff. Of course, at the bottom of the page, he's also sexist to Amanda again. Amanda, right. how many times must I s- steal your voice? <laughs> yeah. Just... Not great. No, art, really no. good art. Not great uh, characterization. Yeah, although I, I find myself wishing that we had some red in this issue. Yeah, like like, and that's something that the the magazines do occasionally is bring in like a single color. I'm sure that makes the mag more expensive to produce. But if you're gonna do a, a comic called Vampire Tales, you gotta splash some red in occasionally. Yes, if just for Morbius's collar. Yeah, yeah. I keep on lo- I keep on looking at that collar and think, man, that would look so good in red. Mm-hmm. It's so pointy. It's <laughs> so big. It just like. I think the collar itself is what put me in mind for 1974. Yeah, well, because and nobody draws that Morbius outfit like Buckler does. No, no, it's just <sighs> yeah, it is. It is what it is. I, I think the the Adventure of Fear story is way more fun. This has its moments, especially visually. But again, I just I never really found myself caring much about the story because it wasn't really about Morbius. He was just along for the ride. Yes. And he, 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 he feels like that, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, I think even the writer is aware that, you know, this isn't about Morbius. He's just along for the ride. Right. Um, so, and apparently this is set, this is definitely set before the events of Adventures into Fear. Has to be. Has to yeah. be. I, I but, think the idea is that the, the Vampire Tales stuff is like, I would think it's like immediate aftermath of his Spider-Man appearances. So since his appearance in Marvel Team Up, right. So this is between Marvel Team Up, um, then then we have his appearance in Giant Size Superheroes, which we'll be talking about later this month, and then we have Adventures into Fear. I'm checking one of those. You know, the internet is full of like Marvel chronology type stuff. I figure. Um, Doing a quick look, and it looks like, according to them, uh, according to this chrono, this is what uh, the Marvel Chronology Project, I guess. Yeah, they've got they've got Vampire Tales after Adventure into Fear. Really? Like like after all of Adventure into Fear? Oh wow, that's that's a that's a big difference there. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we'll actually get it referenced. Um, a L- little bit of a looking ahead. We've already read the Morbius story in Giant Size Superheroes. They reference the fact that all this stuff in Maine happened. 
Mm-hmm. So that... Mm. And that, that's assuming I'm reading these these abbreviations right, because they abbreviate all the titles. But it looks like... looks to me like Vampire Tales 1 in their chronology is after Adventure into Fear 20 through whenever his run ends. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe? Although, well, I don't know. Their, their list is confusing, but it looks like they have Vampire Tales pretty late in the chronology for him. But in any case, that that's sort of the, the end of the Morbius story, I think. Um, there's a little bit of other stuff in this mag that's worth noting. Um, I, I mentioned in the letters page the Don McGregor thing. Um, also, they note that uh, Satana is moving to Haunt of Horror. Um, so she's no longer going to be as featured in Vampire Tales because she's going to the Haunt of Horror book. Uh, that will start for us the next month, July of 74. Oh, great. Another so, magazine to read. <laughs> right, right, right. And that's pretty much it from the letters page. Uh, there's a prose thing that's sort of an appreciation of the the Count Yorga vampire movies, of which there, there were two of them in the 70s. Uh, Count Yorga vampire and the return of Count Yorga. It's by Donald Glutt and uh, just... As an aside, the, the Count Yorga movies are fun. Like, if you're looking for 70s vampire movies that are not Hammer, like, you could do worse. There's also a short comic uh, by Roy Thomas with art by Alan Kupperberg and Dick Giordano called The Living Dead. You know, it, it's a fun little diversion. It's, it's about a uh, German actor who becomes part of the German underground during World War II um, and decides to escape Nazi Germany. And so he ends up in a, uh, like a chateau, um, which I guess is in France. Yeah, it looks like he, yeah, he joins the German underground in Paris. He finds this chateau um, and basically cultivates this legend of a vampire that lives in the chateau to keep locals and Nazis away from it by appearing himself as the vampire because he's an actor. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And that works until one day a, a mob of townspeople show up to kill the vampire. Oop. And so he dies. Um, because there is there is such a thing as playing a role too well. Wah, 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 wah. Which, I mean, it's a, it's a very Roy Thomas story. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do a vampire story. But it's not really a vampire story. It's about World War II. <laughs> that's, that's very Roy Thomas, I think. It, it, just a bit. <laughs> I, I do really there's one panel it's like uh like the third or fourth from the last panel of the story where <laughs> the the actor in vampire costume realizes what's about to happen and you can see the fake fangs falling out of his mouth <laughs> that's that's cute it, it, it's not it, it's a very like 50s horror kind of anthology story you know like it, it the whole point of it is to build to the twist um, but that, that's, there's that, uh, there's also, uh, a feature called Devil's Den, which I think we've talked about before, which just sort of runs down recent and upcoming horror movie releases and, and some fantasy stuff too. So you got, uh, Golden Voyage of Senpad, you've got, uh, Captain Kronos, uh, mm. Sugar Hill, a rundown of Dracula movies that are going to be on, I guess, uh, I'm not sure if those are TV or, or film re-releases or what, but runs down several Dracula movies. Um, Last House on the Left gets a call out, because I guess we've made it to that point in the 70s. And uh, and oh, at, 
like last time, there's also a mention of of where you can go to rent film prints because that was a time when you could do that. Yep. Yep. Um, after that is that Morbius reprint that I talked about. So that's reprinting his origin from the pages of Amazing Spider-Man. After that is a story by uh, Doug Munch and Val Merrick called The Vampire Wants Blood, which is fine, but it doesn't really have any bearing on Morbius or the sort of in-continuity Marvel horror that we typically cover. And one thing that I'll just mention about this issue is uh, they, they tried a gimmick here, and I don't know if it's going to carry over to future issues of Vampire Tales or into the other mags, but they did a gimmick where there's a two-pager story by Doug Munch and, and with art by Wynne Mortimer called The Vampire Viscount of France. And it's a two-pager, but the first page is the inside front cover, and the second page is the inside back cover. So, like, the, the story sort of bookends the entire mag, which is an interesting gimmick. Uh, the problem is that you just can't really tell much of a story in two pages. I wonder if that was to dissuade cover rippers. Because mm, could it be. used, to be a, used to be a practice back in the day that, you know, you can get your money back by sending the top half of the cover back to the publisher. Mm. Right. And then you keep the magazine, the comic itself, just sell at a discounted price. Right, right. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, if 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 by ripping out the cover you lose one half of one of the stories. Yes. Um, I can yeah. see what that would dissuade people. So, but it, it, like I say, it, it, not much of a story, just sort of a gimmick. And we've got a promo for Haunt of Horror. We've got a promo for Dracula Lives, which is, is continuing to hype the uh, continued adaptation of the Bram Stoker novel by Roy Thomas and Dick Giordano. Mm-hmm. We've also got a, a promo for the next issue of Vampire Tales. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's really all there is. Vampire Tales has very much become a magazine where you have your one big Morbius story and then a bunch of filler. Yeah, yeah. It's not like some of the other mags where, like, like Dracula Lives, like in addition, like you might get, say, two stories featuring Dracula, both of which are new. And then even the filler stories are doing something interesting. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, well, it's the reason why we've only started covering, like, the Morbius story in the magazines. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and when it makes sense to, I'll run down some of the other stuff just because it's nice to know what else is in the book. But but really, there's not much else in this besides the Morbius story. I, I had yeah. to at least briefly give an overview of the, the Roy Thomas story because we love Roy. Yep. Anyway, I do think that does do it for this issue of Vampire Tales. Yeah, and you know, we've basically hit the halfway point of this book. Oh. Um, there are there are 11 issues of Vampire Tales. Basically the halfway point. <laughs> um, but we will go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the Tomb of Ideas mailbag, because we got mail! Woohoo! Yeah! Mail! So we'll be right back after these messages. It's Fade Out. Hosted by film fanatic Rob Kelly and a roster of special guests, Fade Out will examine the final films of Hollywood's brightest lights, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. (laughs) 
pretty funny movie, huh? What are you, a nut? This is scary. Scary? This isn't scary. If you want horror, you gotta go with the classics. Dracula, Frankenstein, the wolf man. Ooh, spooky, huh? Oh, they're cool. I could send one to my mother. You'd mail these? These are special editions. You're really starting to freak me out. Special edition stamps now at the post office. Some stamps you just can't lick. Welcome back to my ideas, and we have a rare treat for you. Rare than I like, actually. Um, we are opening up the Tomb of Ideas mailbag, because we have a letter here from John Caruso, um, sent to us just before Halloween, uh, with Happy Halloween. Hey guys, I've been meaning to write you and wish you a big thanks for your podcast, as I've been listening since day one. Well, thank you, John. Thank you. Along with the was here, then wasn't here, then is here again, Fantasticast. Yours is the only podcast I listen to as soon as it comes out. Nice. That's very That's very nice. We appreciate yeah. that. Anyway, aside for the thanks and keep up the great work, I wanted to share this item with you. I have a Marvel 1976 calendar perpetually hanging on my wall. I thought you'd get a kick out of tomorrow's entry. See pictures. I can imagine the giggles they had around 575 Madison when they snuck this one in. So... He sent us the pictures of the Marvel 1960, sorry, 1976 calendar, mm-hmm. and it's, of course, the month of October, which is monster-themed. Of course. And it's got some really great entries here. If you zoom, it's got, first off, it's got the Marvel monsters, Dracula, Man-Thing, and Werewolf by Night, Frightening Ichabod Crane. Nice. <laughs> a, a bit scarier than a Headless Horseman, I think. I, I, I would agree with that. That's that's really cool art, actually. Like that would that by itself would make a great like wallpaper or something. Yeah, it really would. Let's see who's the artist on that one? Bruner. Hmm. hmm. Anyway, looking at the months, um, you have the second. You have Bloodstone. He he stalks the Shattered Lands where monsters dwell, and then it carries on to the third. The family that slays together stays together. The fourth, like father with Dracula. Like daughter on the fifth with Lilith, like brother Jack Russell, and like sister, ooh Liza, you're not looking great there. Spoilers. Yeah, Sa- yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're we're seeing we're getting a sneak preview of some things that we have not gotten to yet. Um, yeah, such as Bloodstone, the, actually. Yeah, um, but this is this is a, a year about a year or two before, later than we are now. Right, right. Um, Satana, like daughter. Yep. Scarecrow, who we are not going to cover on the show. God damn it. <laughs> we're not oh we have to don't we i i think we do we have to cover the scarecrow he oh. doesn't last that long there's a reason for that <laughs> he lurks in the dead of night the tag team match the referees still have nightmares about morbius versus spider-man versus man wolf coming soon See, to this podcast even the calendar knows that morbius is a spider-man villain yes <laughs> and then the 16th happy birthday joe senate <laughs> That it's like a literal like photograph of Joe Sennett like around all of these monster portraits. <laughs> uh, they have a Hamilton reference. The world turns upside down October eighteenth. Yeah, not actually a Hamilton reference. <laughs> right, American Revolution. That is reference. in fact a, a phrase that has been used for that date. I Pre- know. Lin-Manuel I know. Miranda. <laughs> yeah, don't be ridiculous. Lin-Manuel Miranda has been here since the beginning of time. Will be here long after. <laughs> Oh, we've got a Mel Brooks reference. <laughs> uh, with uh, on the twentieth is the Frankenstein monster. Yeah. Also, Mel Brooks wash day. <laughs> Tigra, who we have not met yet. Right. Are we covering Tigra on the show? I don't 
know if she counts as horror. No, although she's called Tiger the Werewoman here. So. She is. Uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll evaluate when we get there. I think we've got some yeah. time. Yeah. Hannibal King, Vampire Detective. Again, not someone we've come to yet. If you're following along with us and not reading ahead, uh, you might know a version of Hannibal King from the Blade movie trilogy. Yes. Yes. They are played by Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Yep. In his pre-Deadpool days. Yep. And his pre-Green Lantern days. Oh, oh God, he was Green Lantern. <laughs> wow. The 25th gives us the living mummy, yep. mauling the world's longest ace bandage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we have birthday wishes for Glynis Ween. We wish oh, you sweet. warm colors all your days, which is cute because, you know, she's a colorist. Right, right. Then we have Blade. Yep. And the 28th and 29th, a boy and his man thing. Richard, Richard Rory, Rory. And yep. man thing. <laughs> Which, it, it's funny I, I i had not really thought about this before but like <laughs> hear me out I I, i'm do. gonna run with it richard rory has sort of become the rick jones of marvel monsters <laughs> i could see it sorry the the boy and his man thing thing like pairing them the way they're paired here sort of reminded me of like vintage rick jones and hulk <laughs> That's good. So, yeah. That's a really fun calendar. I, I can understand keeping that on your wall. Yeah, dude, definitely. John, thank you so much for sharing this with us. Yeah, it and is... for being a regular listener. That's great. We always love yeah. to hear from, from people who enjoy the show. And you, too, can be like John and reach out to us and let us know whether you have a cool Marvel calendar or not. We love to yeah, hear from you. Yeah, but cool things. We like that. Yeah, we love pictures, but even just yeah. let us know how, how things are going, what you think of the episodes. Yeah. Um, for instance, you can always... Give it, rate and review us on iTunes. And, Trey, we've actually gotten our first one-star review. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... Well, okay, it's a one-star rating. They, they, they don't tell us why they gave us one star. Right, right. Well, you know, there's no accounting for taste. No, but I, I feel like a legit podcast now. After, right. After, <laughs> after, after 50 episodes, I feel like a legit podcast. We have a, we have a hate rating. Right. We, we, uh, we, we finally... It finally looks like real people are listening. <laughs> yeah. um, you can also, of course, email us just like John did. It's tombofideas at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter. It's at tombofideas. We're also on Facebook, just like your aunt. Uh, Facebook.com slash tombofideas. We are also proud members of the Cinepunks podcasting group. That's right. That means you can find our entire back catalog on Cinepunks.com. That's Cinepunks with an X. And in addition to us, there are all kinds of great articles and podcasts there to pick from. Uh, we've got shows like Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe, Help for the Helpers, Cinema Smorgasbord, Horror Business, all kinds of stuff. So please check out the other Cinepunks shows as well. There's also great articles. As we're recording this, we are wrapping up the Halloween season. And of course, Cinepunks annually does a Cineween celebration of articles and podcasts just for that spookiest time of year, Halloween. So be sure to look at those too and check out all the new stuff coming up as the year closes out. Uh, and that's Cinepunks.com. Cinepunks with an X. Yep, yep. Anyway, guys, I think that does it for another exciting, mesmerizing, rockin' episode of Tomb of Ideas. Until That's next time. Right. Oh, what? What? Sorry, what? I was, just, I was agreeing. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Finally, something we agree on. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.
Bye. You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Until next time, Tombers Excelsior. Ha, 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 ha.